division six of human all too human a book for free spirits by friedrich nietzsche translated by helen zimmern this librivox recording is in the public domain man in society two ninety three well-meant dissimulation in intercourse with men a well-meant dissimulation is often necessary as if we did not see through the motives of their actions two ninety four copies we not unfrequently meet with copies of prominent persons and as in the case of pictures so also here the copies please more than the originals two ninety five the public speaker one may speak with the greatest appropriateness and yet so that everybody cries out to the contrary that is to say when one does not speak to everybody two ninety six want of confidence want of confidence among friends is a fault that cannot be censured without becoming incurable two ninety seven the art of giving to have to refuse a gift merely because it has not been offered in the right way provokes animosity against the giver two ninety eight the most dangerous partisan in every party there is one who by his far too dogmatic expression of the party principles excites defection among the others two ninety nine advisers of the sick whoever gives advice to a sick person acquires a feeling of superiority over him whether the advice be accepted or rejected hence proud and sensitive sick persons hate advisers more than their sickness three zero zero double nature of equality the rage for equality may so manifest itself that we seek either to draw all others down to ourselves by belittling disregarding and tripping up or ourselves and all others upwards by recognition assistance and congratulation three o one against embarrassment the best way to relieve and calm very embarrassed people is to give them decided praise three o two preference for certain virtues we set no special value on the possession of a virtue until we perceive that it is entirely lacking in our adversary three o three why we contradict we often contradict an opinion when it is really only the tone in which it is expressed that is unsympathetic to us three o four confidence and intimacy whoever proposes to command the intimacy of a person is usually uncertain of possessing his confidence whoever is sure of a person's confidence attaches little value to intimacy with him three o five the equilibrium of friendship the right equilibrium of friendship in our relation to other men is sometimes restored when we put a few grains of wrong on our side of the scales three o six the most dangerous physicians the most dangerous physicians are those who like born actors imitate the born physician with the perfect art of imposture three o seven when paradoxes are permissible 
in order to interest clever persons in a theory it is sometimes only necessary to put it before them in the form of a prodigious paradox three o eight how courageous people are won over courageous people are persuaded to a course of action by representing it as more dangerous than it really is three o nine courtesies we regard the courtesies show us by unpopular persons as offences three ten keeping people waiting a sure way of exasperating people and of putting bad thoughts into their heads is to keep them waiting long that makes them immoral three eleven against the confidential persons who give us their full confidence think they have thereby a right to ours that is a mistake people acquire no rights through gifts three twelve a mode of settlement it often suffices to give a person whom we have injured an opportunity to make a joke about us to give him personal satisfaction and even to make him favourably disposed to us three thirteen the vanity of the tongue whether man conceals his bad qualities and vices or frankly acknowledges them his vanity in either case seeks its advantage thereby only let it be observed how nicely he distinguishes those from whom he conceals such qualities from those with whom he is frank and honest three fourteen considerate to have no wish to offend or injure any one may as well be the sign of a just as of a timid nature three fifteen requisite for disputation he who cannot put his thoughts on ice should not enter into the heat of dispute three sixteen intercourse and pretension we forget our pretensions when we are always conscious of being amongst meritorious people being alone implants presumption in us the young are pretentious for they associate with their equals who are all ciphers but would fain have a great significance three seventeen motives of an attack one does not attack a person merely to hurt and conquer him but perhaps merely to become conscious of one's own strength three eighteen flattery persons who try by means of flattery to put us off our guard in intercourse with them employ a dangerous expedient like a sleeping draught which when it does not send the patient to sleep keeps him all the wider awake three nineteen a good letter writer a person who does not write books thinks much and lives in unsatisfying society will usually be a good letter writer three twenty the ugliest of all it may be doubted whether a person who has travelled much has found anywhere in the world uglier places than those to be met with in the human face three twenty one the sympathetic ones sympathetic natures ever ready to help in misfortune are seldom those that participate in joy in the happiness of others they have nothing to occupy them they are superfluous they do not feel themselves in possession of their superiority and hence readily show their displeasure 
three twenty two the relatives of a suicide the relatives of a suicide take it in ill part that he did not remain alive out of consideration for their reputation three twenty three in gratitude foreseen he who makes a large gift gets no gratitude for the recipient is already overburdened by the acceptance of the gift three twenty four in dull society nobody thanks a witty man for politeness when he puts himself on a par with a society in which it would not be polite to show one's wit three twenty five the presence of witnesses we are doubly willing to jump into the water after some one who has fallen in if there are people present who have not the courage to do so three twenty six being silent for both parties in a controversy the most disagreeable way of retaliating is to be vexed and silent for the aggressor usually regards the silence as a sign of contempt three twenty seven friends secrets few people will not expose the private affairs of their friends when at a loss for a subject of conversation three twenty eight humanity the humanity of intellectual celebrities consists in courteously submitting to unfairness in intercourse with those who are not celebrated three twenty nine the embarrassed people who do not feel sure of themselves in society seize every opportunity of publicly showing their superiority to close friends for instance by teasing them three thirty thanks a refined nature is vexed by knowing that someone owes it thanks a coarse nature by knowing that it owes thanks to someone three thirty one a sign of estrangement the surest sign of the estrangement of the opinions of two persons is when they both say something ironical to each other and neither of them feels the irony three thirty two presumption in connection with merit presumption in connection with merit offends us even more than presumption in persons devoid of merit for merit in itself offends us three thirty three danger in the voice in conversation we are sometimes confused by the tone of our own voice and misled to make assertions that do not at all correspond to our opinions three thirty four in conversation whether in conversation with others we mostly agree or mostly disagree with them is a matter of habit there is sense in both cases three thirty five fear of our neighbour we are afraid of the animosity of our neighbour because we are apprehensive that he may thereby discover our secrets three thirty six distinguishing by blaming highly respected persons distribute even their blame in such fashion that they try to distinguish us therewith it is intended to remind us of their serious interest in us we misunderstand them entirely when we take their blame literally and protest against it we thereby offend them and estrange ourselves from them three thirty seven indignation at the goodwill of others we are mistaken as to the extent to which we think we are hated or feared because though we ourselves know very well the extent of our divergence from a person tendency or party those others know us only superficially and can therefore only hate us superficially we often meet with goodwill which is inexplicable to us 
but when we comprehend it it shocks us because it shows that we are not considered with sufficient seriousness or importance three thirty eight thwarting vanities when two persons meet whose vanity is equally great they have afterwards a bad impression of each other because each has been so occupied with the impression he wished to produce on the other that the other has made no impression upon him at last it becomes clear to them both that their efforts have been in vain and each puts the blame on the other three thirty nine improper behaviour as a good sign a superior mind takes pleasure in the tactlessness pretentiousness and even hostility of ambitious youths it is the vicious habit of fiery horses which have not yet carried a rider but in a short time will be so proud to carry one three forty when it is advisable to suffer wrong it is well to put up with accusations without refutation even when they injure us when the accuser would see a still greater fault on our part if we contradicted and perhaps even refuted him in this way certainly a person may always be wronged and always have right on his side and may eventually with the best conscience in the world become the most intolerable tyrant and tormentor and what happens in the individual may also take place in whole classes of society three forty one too little honoured very conceited persons who have received less consideration than they expected attempt for a long time to deceive themselves and others with regard to it and become subtle psychologists in order to make out that they have been amply honoured should they not attain their aim should the veil of deception be torn they give way to all the greater fury three forty two primitive conditions re-echoing in speech by the manner in which people make assertions in their intercourse we often recognize an echo of the times when they were more conversant with weapons than anything else sometimes they handle their assertions like sharpshooters using their arms sometimes we think we hear the whiz and clash of swords and with some men an assertion crashes down like a stout cudgel women on the contrary speak like beings who for thousands of years have sat at the loom plied the needle or played the child with children three forty three the narrator he who gives an account of something readily betrays whether it is because the fact interests him or because he wishes to excite interest by the narration in the latter case he will exaggerate employ superlatives and such like he then does not usually tell his story so well because he does not think so much about his subject as about himself three forty four the reciter he who recites dramatic works makes discoveries about his own character he finds his voice more natural in certain moods and scenes than in others say in the pathetic or in the scurrilous while in ordinary life perhaps he has not had the opportunity to exhibit pathos or scurrility three forty five a comedy scene in real life some one conceives an ingenious idea on a theme in order to express it in society now in a comedy we should hear and see how he sets all sail for that point and tries to land the company at the place where he can make his remark how he continuously pushes the conversation towards the one goal sometimes losing the way finding it again and finally arriving at the moment he is almost breathless and then one of the company takes the remark itself out of his mouth what will he do oppose his own opinion 
three forty six unintentionally discourteous when a person treats another with unintentional discourtesy for instance not greeting him because not recognizing him he is vexed by it although he cannot reproach his own sentiments he is hurt by the bad opinion which he has produced in the other person or fears the consequences of his bad humour or is pained by the thought of having injured him vanity fear or pity may therefore be aroused perhaps all three together three forty seven a masterpiece of treachery to express a tantalizing distrust of a fellow-conspirator lest he should betray one and this at the very moment when one is practising treachery oneself is a masterpiece of wickedness because it absorbs the other's attention and compels him for a time to act very unsuspiciously and openly so that the real traitor has thus acquired a free hand three forty eight to injure and to be injured it is far pleasanter to injure and afterwards beg for forgiveness than to be injured and grant forgiveness he who does the former gives evidence of power and afterwards of kindness of character the person injured however if he does not wish to be considered inhuman must forgive his enjoyment of the other's humiliation is insignificant on account of this constraint three forty nine in a dispute when we contradict another's opinion and at the same time develop our own the constant consideration of the other opinion usually disturbs the natural attitude of our own which appears more intentional more distinct and perhaps somewhat exaggerated three fifty an artifice he who wants to get another to do something difficult must on no account treat the matter as a problem but must set forth his plan plainly as the only one possible and when the adversary's eye betrays objection and opposition he must understand how to break off quickly and allow him no time to put in a word three fifty one pricks of conscience after social gatherings why does our conscience prick us after ordinary social gatherings because we have treated serious things lightly because in talking of persons we have not spoken of quite justly or have been silent when we should have spoken because sometimes we have not jumped up and run away in short because we have behaved in society as if we belonged to it three fifty two we are misjudged he who always listens to hear how he is judged is always vexed for we are misjudged even by those who are nearest to us who know us best even good friends sometimes vent their ill-humour in a spiteful word and would they be our friends if they knew us rightly the judgments of the indifferent wound us deeply because they sound so impartial so objective almost but when we see that some one hostile to us knows us in a concealed point as well as we know ourselves how great is then our vexation three fifty three the tyranny of the portrait artists and statesmen who out of particular features quickly construct the whole picture of a man or an event are mostly unjust in demanding that the event or person should afterwards be actually as they have painted it they demand straightway that a man should be just as gifted cunning and unjust as he is in their representation of him three fifty four relatives as the best friends the greeks who knew so well what a friend was they alone of all peoples have a profound and largely philosophical discussion of friendship so that it is by them firstly and as yet lastly that the problem of the friend has been recognized as worthy of solution these same greeks have designated relatives by an expression which is the superlative of the word friend this is inexplicable to me three fifty five misunderstood honesty when any one quotes himself in conversation i then said i am accustomed to say it gives the impression of presumption whereas it often proceeds from quite an opposite source 
or at least from honesty which does not wish to deck and adorn the present moment with wit which belongs to an earlier moment three fifty six the parasite it denotes entire absence of a noble disposition when a person prefers to live in dependence at the expense of others usually with a secret bitterness against them in order only that he may not be obliged to work such a disposition is far more frequent in women than in men also far more pardonable for historical reasons three fifty seven on the altar of reconciliation there are circumstances under which one can only gain a point from a person by wounding him and becoming hostile the feeling of having a foe torments him so much that he gladly seizes the first indication of a milder disposition to effect a reconciliation and offers on the altar of this reconciliation what was formerly of such importance to him that he would not give it up at any price three fifty eight presumption in demanding pity there are people who when they have been in a rage and have insulted others demand firstly that it shall all be taken in good part and secondly that they shall be pitied because they are subject to such violent paroxysms so far does human presumption extend three fifty nine bait every man has his price that is not true but perhaps every one can be found a bait of one kind or other at which he will snap thus in order to gain some supporters for a cause it is only necessary to give it the glamour of being philanthropic noble charitable and self-denying and to what cause could this glamour not be given it is the sweet meat and dainty of their soul others have different ones three sixty the attitude in praising when good friends praise a gifted person he often appears to be delighted with them out of politeness and good will but in reality he feels indifferent his real nature is quite unmoved towards them and will not budge a step on that account out of the sun or shade in which it lies but people wish to please by praise and it would grieve them if one did not rejoice when they praise a person three sixty one the experience of socrates if one has become a master in one thing one has generally remained precisely thereby a complete dunce in most other things but one forms the very reverse opinion as was already experienced by socrates this is the annoyance which makes association with masters disagreeable three sixty two a means of defence in warring against stupidity the most just and gentle of men at last become brutal they are thereby perhaps taking the proper course for defence for the most appropriate argument for a stupid brain is the clenched fist but because as has been said their character is just and gentle they suffer more by this means of protection than they injure their opponents by it three sixty three curiosity if curiosity did not exist very little would be done for the good of our neighbour but curiosity creeps into the houses of the unfortunate and the needy under the name of duty or of pity perhaps there is a good deal of curiosity even in the much vaunted maternal love three sixty four disappointment in society one man wishes to be interesting for his opinions another for his likes and dislikes a third for his acquaintances and a fourth for his solitariness and they all meet with disappointment for he before whom the play is performed thinks himself the only play that is to be taken into account three sixty five the duel it may be said in favour of duels and all affairs of honour that if a man has such susceptible feelings that he does not care to live when so-and-so says or thinks this or that about him he has a right to make it a question of the death of the one or the other with regard to the fact that he is so susceptible it is not at all to be remonstrated with in that matter we are the heirs of the past of its greatness as well as of its exaggerations without which no greatness ever existed so when there exists a code of honour which lets blood stand in place of death 
so that the mind is relieved after a regular duel it is a great blessing because otherwise many human lives would be in danger such an institution moreover teaches men to be cautious in their utterances and makes intercourse with them possible three sixty six nobleness and gratitude a noble soul would be pleased to owe gratitude and will not anxiously avoid opportunities of coming under obligation it will also be moderate afterwards in the expression of its gratitude baser souls on the other hand are unwilling to be under any obligation or are afterwards immoderate in their expressions of thanks and altogether too devoted the latter is moreover also the case with persons of mean origin or depressed circumstances to show them a favour seems to them a miracle of grace three sixty seven occasions of eloquence in order to talk well one man needs a person who is decidedly and avowedly his superior to talk to while another can only find absolute freedom of speech and happy turns of eloquence before one who is his inferior in both cases the cause is the same each of them talks well only when he talks sans genre the one because in the presence of something higher he does not feel the impulse of rivalry and competition the other because he also lacks the same impulse in the presence of something lower now there is quite another type of men who talk well only when debating with the intention of conquering which of the two types is the more aspiring the one that talks well from excited ambition or the one that talks badly or not at all from precisely the same motive three sixty eight the talent for friendship two types are distinguished amongst people who have a special faculty for friendship the one is ever on the ascent and for every phase of his development he finds a friend exactly suited to him the series of friends which he thus acquires is seldom a consistent one and is sometimes at variance and in contradiction entirely in accordance with the fact that the later phases of his development neutralize or prejudice the earlier phases such a man may jestingly be called a ladder the other type is represented by him who exercises an attractive influence on very different characters and endowments so that he wins a whole circle of friends these however are thereby brought voluntarily into friendly relations with one another in spite of all differences such a man may be called a circle for this homogeneousness of such different temperaments and natures must somehow be typified in him furthermore the faculty for having good friends is greater in many people than the faculty for being a good friend three sixty nine tactics in conversation after a conversation with a person one is best pleased with him when one has had an opportunity of exhibiting one's intelligence and amiability in all its glory shrewd people who wish to impress a person favourably make use of this circumstance they provide him with the best opportunities for making a good joke and so on in conversation an amusing conversation might be imagined between two very shrewd persons each wishing to impress the other favourably and therefore each throwing to the other the finest chances in conversation which neither of them accepted so that the conversation on the whole might turn out spiritless and unattractive because each assigned to the other the opportunity of being witty and charming three seventy discharge of indignation the man who meets with a failure attributes this failure rather to the ill-will of another than to fate his irritated feelings are alleviated by thinking that a person and not a thing is the cause of his failure for he can revenge himself on persons but is obliged to swallow down the injuries of fate therefore when anything has miscarried with a prince those about him are accustomed to point out some individual as the ostensible cause who is sacrificed in the interests of all the courtiers for otherwise the prince's indignation would vent itself on them all as he can take no revenge on the goddess of destiny herself three seventy one assuming the colours of the environment 
why are likes and dislikes so contagious that we can hardly live near a very sensitive person without being filled like a hogshead with his fors and againsts in the first place complete forbearance of judgment is very difficult and sometimes absolutely intolerable to our vanity it has the same appearance as poverty of thought and sentiment or as timidity and unmanliness and so we are at least driven on to take a side perhaps contrary to our environment if this attitude gives greater pleasure to our pride as a rule however and this is the second point we are not conscious of the transition from indifference to liking or disliking but we gradually accustom ourselves to the sentiments of our environment and because sympathetic agreement and acquiescence are so agreeable we soon wear all the signs and party-colours of our surroundings three seventy two irony irony is only permissible as a pedagogic expedient on the part of a teacher when dealing with his pupils its purpose is to humble and to shame but in the wholesome way that causes good resolutions to spring up and teaches people to show honour and gratitude as they would to a doctor to him who has so treated them the ironical man pretends to be ignorant and does it so well that the pupils conversing with him are deceived and in their firm belief in their own superior knowledge they grow bold and expose all their weak points they lose their cautiousness and reveal themselves as they are until all of a sudden the light which they have held up to the teacher's face casts its rays back very humiliatingly upon themselves where such a relation as that between teacher and pupil does not exist irony is a rudeness and a vulgar conceit all ironical writers count on the silly species of human beings who like to feel themselves superior to all others in common with the author himself whom they look upon as the mouthpiece of their arrogance moreover the habit of irony like that of sarcasm spoils the character it gradually fosters the quality of a malicious superiority one finally grows like a snappy dog that has learnt to laugh as well as to bite three seventy three arrogance there is nothing one should so guard against as the growth of the weed called arrogance which spoils all one's good harvest for there is arrogance in cordiality in showing honour in kindly familiarity in caressing and friendly counsel in acknowledgment of faults and sympathy for others and all these fine things arouse aversion when the weed in question grows up among them the arrogant man that is to say he who desires to appear more than he is or passes for always miscalculates it is true that he obtains a momentary success inasmuch as those with whom he is arrogant generally give him the amount of honour that he demands owing to fear or for the sake of convenience but they take a bad revenge for it inasmuch as they subtract from the value which they hitherto attach to him just as much as he demands above that amount there is nothing for which men ask to be paid dearer than for humiliation the arrogant man can make his really great merits so suspicious and small in the eyes of others that they tread on it with dusty feet if at all we should only allow ourselves a proud manner where we are quite sure of not being misunderstood and considered as arrogant as for instance with friends and wives for in social intercourse there is no greater folly than to acquire a reputation for arrogance it is still worse than not having learnt to deceive politely three seventy four tete-a-tete private conversation is the perfect conversation because everything the one person says receives its particular colouring its tone and its accompanying gestures out of strict consideration for the other person engaged in the conversation it therefore corresponds to what takes place in intercourse by letter viz that one and the same person exhibits ten kinds of psychical expression according as he writes now to this individual and now to that one 
in duologue there is only a single refraction of thought the person conversed with produces it as the mirror in whom we want to behold our thoughts anew in their finest form but how is it when there are two or three or even more persons conversing with one conversation then necessarily loses something of its individualizing subtlety different considerations thwart and neutralize each other the style which pleases one does not suit the taste of another in intercourse with several individuals a person has therefore to withdraw within himself and represent facts as they are but he has also to remove from the subjects the pulsating ether of humanity which makes conversation one of the pleasantest things in the world listen only to the tone in which those who mingle with whole groups of men are in the habit of speaking it is as if the fundamental base of all speech were it is myself i say this so make what you will of it that is the reason why clever ladies usually leave a singular painful and forbidding impression on those who have met them in society it is the talking to many people before many people that robs them of all intellectual amiability and shows only their conscious dependence on themselves their tactics and their intention of gaining a public victory in full light whilst in a private conversation the same ladies become womanly again and recover their intellectual grace and charm three seventy five posthumous fame there is sense in hoping for recognition in a distant future only when we take it for granted that mankind will remain essentially unchanged and that whatever is great is not for one age only but will be looked upon as great for all time but this is an error in all their sentiments and judgments concerning what is good and beautiful mankind have greatly changed it is mere fantasy to imagine oneself to be a mile ahead and that the whole of mankind is coming our way besides a scholar who is misjudged may at present reckon with certainty that his discovery will be made by others and that at best it will be allowed to him later on by some historian that he also already knew this or that but was not in a position to secure the recognition of his knowledge not to be recognized is always interpreted by posterity as lack of power in short one should not so readily speak in favour of haughty solitude there are however exceptional cases but it is chiefly our faults weakness and follies that hinder the recognition of our great qualities three seventy six of friends just consider with thyself how different are the feelings how divided are the opinions of even the nearest acquaintances how even the same opinions in thy friend's mind have quite a different aspect and strength from what they have in thine own and how manifold are the occasions which arise from misunderstanding and hostile severance after all this thou wilt say to thyself how insecure is the ground upon which all our alliances and friendships rest how liable to cold downpours and bad weather how lonely is every creature when a person recognizes this fact and in addition that all opinions and the nature and strength of them in his fellow-men are just as necessary and irresponsible as their actions when his eye learns to see this internal necessity of opinions owing to the indissoluble interweaving of character occupation talent and environment he will perhaps get rid of the bitterness and sharpness of the feeling with which the sage exclaims friends there are no friends much rather will he make the confession to himself yes there are friends but they were drawn towards thee by error and deception concerning thy character and they must have learnt to be silent in order to remain thy friends for such human relationships almost always rest on the fact that some few things are never said are never indeed alluded to but if these pebbles are set rolling friendship follows afterwards and is broken are there any who would not be mortally injured if they were to learn what their most intimate friends really knew about them 
by getting a knowledge of ourselves and by looking upon our nature as a changing sphere of opinions and moods and thereby learning to despise ourselves a little we recover once more our equilibrium with the rest of mankind it is true that we have good reason to despise each of our acquaintances even the greatest of them but just as good reason to turn this feeling against ourselves and so we will bear with each other since we bear with ourselves and perhaps there will come to each a happier hour when he will exclaim friends there are really no friends thus cried the expiring old sophist foes there is really no foe thus shout i the incarnate fool End of Division 6